Be you glad to be here, thankful for the opportunity to stand before you for a while. Uh, been a long time since I've been here, and I'll tell you a memory that I have of the last time I was here. I was called upon, I think it was at a camp meeting, but I was called on to preach on a Saturday afternoon. And um, You may not know, but, but preaching just distresses me. I guess is the best way to put it. It it, um, um, it, it, it works on my mind, and um, there's not much there to work with, but nevertheless. So anyway, uh, to get prepared for that, I went out to the cemetery, which is not uncommon. I, uh, an old union, I love going out and walking to the cemetery. So I was out there walking, went to that big tree on the back, and there was a young boy there. He was probably 12, and uh, so... Being the great conversationalist I am with children, I said, you live here? And he said, not far away. I said, okay. I said, what, what do you like to do that's fun? And he looked at me real seriously. And he said, I pick up a lizard, and I climb that tree, and I go to the top, and I put that lizard up there. I said, well, that's fun. I, 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 I would love to see you do that. He didn't do that, but that was his fun. And so I came and tried to preach a conversation about how if we would just remain as children instead of some of the things that we have become in life, how much better it probably would be for us. Good to be here. I enjoyed spending the time with Brother Sonny. Brother Sonny and I go way back, and I'm not going to bore you with details about uh, other than this one thing. One thing that my wife and I did in Oklahoma City a long time ago was Brother Sonny, he, he needed some direction. He, he really did. He was probably 17, 18, maybe a little older than that, and he, he needed direction. So my wife and I had a little family meeting together, and we said, we we got to help him. How can we help him? Well, there was a young lady there named Sharon Schleiger, and we said, well, that would, that would be a wonderful, wonderful match that if we could just get them together, wouldn't that be wonderful? So my wife and I, to make it easier on somebody that really needed some direction, we double-dated with them. We paid for everything. We went to a, a gospel singing and stayed late and joined ourselves, and the rest's history. Okay? I had the privilege of the only time I've ever been asked in the history of my life to sing at a wedding, I sang at his wedding. So uh, it's, it's good to see Sister Sharon. It's good to see Brother Sonny. Fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians says this in the 14th verse. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, if we believe that, and that doesn't mean one morning we wake up and we decide that's, that's what we're going to need to believe. No, that the Lord tunes our minds and he gives us the ability to understand that if we believe, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. It was terrible times. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And those that had followed Christ had seen him crucified. They had seen the mockery of a trial. They had seen all that man could do. They had seen the visage that, that a prophet hundreds and hundreds of years before had prophesied that if you see this man now and you see him after he's been brutalized, you won't recognize him. If you see him suspended between heaven and earth 
and you see the horrible damage that man has done to him, you won't recognize him. Why? Because his visage will be marred more than any man. And to be very honest, they felt like he was going to be with them forever. They felt like that he was going to be king of Israel, that he was going to fight their battles, that he was going to take care of all situations that they needed. And he told them again and again about the up-and-coming death that he would suffer. He said, if you, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it again in three days. And they pointing to the temple that Solomon built, said, Lord, 40 and 6 years in the building, and you say you're going to raise it again in three days. But he wasn't talking to a, about a physical place that was built by man's hands. He was talking about himself. If we believe today that Jesus died and rose again, we're a blessed people. I've been married 59 years, and I wish my wife could have come, but she had other things. But, but the first time that I saw her, I did not love her. Now, I know that's astonishing, but not everybody has love at first sight. But I was happy enough seeing her and meeting her that we developed some communication. She wrote me, I wrote her, and from that, a long history of life developed. The first time that I entered into the church of Jesus Christ, the Primitive Baptist Church, I did not love it. I did not understand everything that they believed. I didn't, and, and still don't today, but I, I did not love. But the longer that I'm around God's people, the more I love the church. Wife and I spent 59 anniversary in, in July, and, and, and our love, I think, grows more day by day. And if you have any idea that this church is where you want to stake your claim and be here forever, then, friend, there's some things that you need to know. And one of the things that you need to know, one of the greatest teachings that this church is blessed with is the understanding that at the moment of death, there's a great thing occurs. The soul and spirit of that individual, of a child of grace, is what? Immediately in the presence of God, that, that it's there singing praises unto him. In our best moments, we cannot even begin to understand what that might be like. But at that moment when this life ends and we see him, we will know. We'll come and bow before him. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. In this particular situation, you find in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John that he had been crucified, that he had given his life. That he had uttered things that, that we repeat today. For example, he motioned unto John and Sean and said, John, this is your mother and this is, this is your son. And the responsibility that he had of his mother was moved. In, in that hour, in that moment of great pain and agony, it, he still had things to, and he said to those round about, uh, and, and to the father, father, uh, don't hold this to their charge. And he said at the very end, he, as he laid his head upon his breast, he, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. And the words that he said at the final end were this, it is finished. 
You know, the world demonizes that. They, they say, well, there's still things to do. But praise be to God, there's a remnant of God's people here upon this earth that still believe if, uh, if Jesus died and rose again. Three women were coming by one account and the Gospels were coming that last day, that third day. Because David had even said uh, in, in reference to Christ that the Lord will not, will not leave my, my soul in hell. And he wasn't talking about eternal torment. He was talking about the grave. He won't leave it in the grave because deterioration will not start. Because on the third day, the third day, they were coming. And the last time that they were going to see his body and the last time they were going to touch his body, they came prepared with strips of cloth and spices that they might place it upon his body for the last time. But praise be to God, the embalming didn't need to take place. <laughs> The spices went bought but, but not used. The strips of cloth not used on this man's body because on that third day, Mary came to the, to the grave and she saw something. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there's some things that we ought to see. We ought to be able to come to his, his uh, sepulcher. We ought to be able to come to that place. And just as they saw the emptiness, we ought to be able to see the same thing. Because if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then friend, when we come to the grave, it's empty. There is nothing there. There is no body there. Why? Because in that great glorious morning, Mary Magdalene came to the grave and she looked inside and there was nothing there. And she must have thought in her mind they have come and they have stole his body. And she ran back to where the others were and she told John and she told Peter that, uh, uh, that his body's not there. She didn't say unto them he has been resurrected because it had not been opened unto them at that particular time. But praise be to God today, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there are some glorious things that are given to us. Right. Foot race happened. Here come John, here come Peter. Peter could very well have been named Webb as slow as he was. Yes. At that particular time, John came to the grave. John didn't enter in. John looked in and here's what he saw. He saw that the grave clothes were in one place and the napkin that had loved the face was in the other. But here come Peter and in his, uh, in his uh, 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 rebelness and his ability and uh, uh, in his lack of thought of anything else, he goes right in and he sees. And he sees the body is gone. There is no body and they can't explain it to themselves. And one of the saddest pictures that I have in my mind about this particular time is Peter and John walking away. And walking away from a grave that they thought held his body. That they thought upon this last day women would come and they would show the last respect and love that they had for them. But they did not know. They did not know. I was in a funeral at a funeral this last Wednesday. A late young lady uh, wasn't that old had died in her sleep, and her grandmother had raised her. And, and the, the the situation was such the the family was just just in such grief, and the grandmother was in such grief. But the grandmother had something. She's been a primitive Baptist church member for years. She knows the scripture. 
And she knows that if we believe Jesus died and rose again, then it, then it covers our needs today. And she knew when she stood by the graveside of her darling granddaughter that one day, one glorious day, that body's coming out of the grave. And, uh, and, and, and as Peter and John went away, they did not have the knowledge. They did not understand. But look what happens to Mary. I'm in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, 11th verse. Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And, uh, and seeth two angels in white, one sitting at the, uh, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. What a glorious, glorious. But she, she doesn't understand. She sees the men in white. She sees them where his feet were, was, where his head was. Uh, and, uh, and here comes the explanation. And they, and they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? I think some of the greatest losses that there is is when we lose someone and the, and the tears start. And even greater than that, when it's a young child, when it's a baby that's just been born, when, uh, when it's a situation to where that child could not live in this life. It touches us in places that we've never been touched before. But praise be to God that we understand by the doctrine of, uh, of the apostles that there is something greater. That that young child at the moment of death, that soul and spirit is still winging its way to heaven and immortal glory. That, uh, uh, that granddaughter that died, uh, 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 she, uh, one day, uh, 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 that body will be raised and it will be raised in perfection. And in the understanding that we have, because we understand that if we believe Jesus died and rose again, there are great things available to us. One of them is we can turn and walk away from that grave with a full understanding, the full understanding of what has happened. My dad passed away several years ago when, and, we, and, and we was buried in a cemetery, a big cemetery in Dallas. And, and we had gone as far as we could. And Brother Sonny's dad preached the last moments uh, before we left that, uh, that graveside. And he preached on, what do you think he preached on? He preached on the resurrection. Why? Because he believed that if Jesus died and rose again, great words came, great words of comfort. And when, when that last moment comes where you turn and walk from that grave for the last time and you have done everything that you can, uh, uh, there's still a suffering that's there. And we're walking to the car and there was a couple of cousins behind me and they're conversing. And they said, she, one of them said to the other, what in the world was that man talking about? What are you worth talking about one day? What, what's he talking about? That, that body's going to come up out of the grave. You know what the difference was? She had no understanding that if, that if we believe Jesus died and rose again. She had no understanding that there's a day coming. Does not mean she won't go to heaven anymore with glory. No, it means that the Lord has holding her eyes and her spirit that she cannot understand it. But one day he'll open it. One day she'll see that. Two angels. Why weepest thou? She said, and here, look at the lament that she has. Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back. And guess what she saw? She saw Jesus. 
wasn't a moment of eternal salvation being given. No, she had, she loved him. She, she had been with him. She had heard his word. She had heard it as if it was just warm oil coming upon her head. She had heard that. She had been with him. She had watched him. She had seen him. She knew him as good, as well as anybody else did. She didn't see him now. She didn't understand him. He said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She's supposing he's the gardener, said to him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And he said unto her, Mary. That's good, about as personal as it yeah. can get. Yeah. <laughs> you ever had that situation? You know, my name, I'm a T.L. Webb, and I thought this was a T.L. Webb, but he, he missed the middle letter. He's a T.R. Webb, but I, I'm a T.L. Webb. Long line of T.L. Webb. My mom and dad named me Thomas Larry. My dad was named Thomas Luther. It was uh, named after uh, Elder uh, T.L. Webb Sr., and we were, we were named for him, and I carried that name. That's my name. But do you know what? Saints of God, you have a name that your mom and dad didn't give to you. You have a name that your Father in heaven gave. And not only that, at a moment before the foundation of the world, uh, when the, uh, the triune Godhead made, made a choice, uh, and uh, uh, the choice of, the, of everyone that they had chosen, their names were placed in a book. And guess what? That book was not only sealed once, but it was sealed seven times. It was a perfect seal. And there's no one, no man, no preacher, nobody else can open that book and look thereupon. And you know what that means? That means names can't be taken out. That means names cannot be put in. That means it's sealed. It's done. And when he died and he laid his head upon his breast, it was for everyone that's named in that book. That book is a book, and it's going to be opened only by he who has bought those that are within. Oh, what a glorious, glorious privilege we have as primitive Baptists that this is what we... But here's the great thought. Mary, Mary, thinking he's the gardener, he, uh, she turns and she sees him and she recognizes him. And she says, Rabboni, which is a po the, the, the possessive point of my, uh, my, uh, my, my master. Thank you for helping me there. My master. And look what he says. Touch me not, for I'm not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I, as I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she had spoken these things unto her. Go with me just real quick, if you don't mind, to the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Mary's, Mary's conversation with him. What a glorious thing. But you realize there, they still don't understand what you understand today. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again. They still did not understand. Why is that? Because he hasn't shown it to them. And in this particular situation, there are two men that are walking from Jerusalem to a mess. And the conversation that they have is not a pleasant conversation. It's not one that's uplifting. They're mourning. And they're talking about all the things that they had occurred. You know how far it is from Jerusalem to a mess? I Googled it. Seven miles. So in that particular situation, how, how, how long do you think it took them to get there? 
I, I try to get some exercise, and when I do, I walk, and I'll walk three miles. It takes me about an hour. Now, I'm probably slower than anybody else, but I, it, was, it, was, it was a period of time to where they, they were given time to talk about everything. And you know where their conversation centered? Their conversation centered on all that had occurred. How that, how that Jesus Christ, uh, a, a mockery of a trial came, and horrible lies were told about him. How that, how that Jesus uh, uh, said the glorious things that he did. And then, uh, uh, then he was beaten and he was, uh, uh, he was marred. And then he was hung upon a cross. And they talked about, we thought, we thought, we thought it was going to be different. We thought it was going to be different. Praise be to God. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again then we have, by that knowledge, we have an understanding of what's going to occur. They're walking alone. And guess who joins them? Well, you know, you've read this story. All of a sudden, they're not by themselves. It makes me wonder sometimes, how many times have I been in conversation and how many times have I been walking round about and Jesus was with me and I didn't even know it. All, all of a sudden, someone's there, and, and they, it, might have, it might as well have been a stranger that just happened to walk the way, but it's not that. He had a purpose. He had a purpose. When we walk with him, or better than that, when he walks with us, it is a glorious, glorious day. And to those that understand that if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there's a glorious thing when he walks with us. Look at their conversation. It came to pass that while they were communing together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding. They didn't know him. They didn't see him. And here's his question. What manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And then look what they said to him. Uh, one named Cleopas answering and said, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Don't you know? Have you not seen? Have you been totally removed from the situation? Have, have you not seen the cross? Have you not seen the man and those two on the other side? Have you not seen that? Have you not heard what's happened? Do you not understand? Are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Did you just happen to come and not know what's occurring? And he said, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth. If we were asked today, and I'm not, but if we were asked to take a piece of paper and write down what Jesus Christ means to us, what would we write down? You know what some would write down? Some would write down, he's my best fishing buddy. There's nothing that puts me over the edge quicker than somebody that thinks they have a relationship with a good friend or a, a fishing buddy. I love to fish. Matter of fact, I taught Sonny how to fish, <laughs> but, but, but we won't go there. In that particular situation, he, uh, uh, they say this concerning Jesus of Nazareth. They identify, they know his name, but, but look, look at this, which was a prophet. My goodness, folks, don't we have an understanding that he's more than a prophet? Don't we have an understanding that he is our all in all? Don't we have a feeling inside of us uh, that he's our next breath, that he's, a, he's the, the next thought that we have, that, that when we get to the point that we just can't press on, he becomes our energy. He becomes that which moves us forward. When our church is 
that because of a horrible COVID situation, get to the point that, that some wonder if we're ever going to be able to press on. You know what happens? That man... That man comes in our midst and he spreads his uh, spirit upon us. Uh, and there's revival that happens. There's a revival that comes. That people start coming back. That, uh, uh, that they, they start singing. Beautiful singing this morning. I, I doubt seriously when this COVID started uh, uh, that, uh, that the singing was that beautiful. Why? Because the number was not there. But it is today. I'll tell you something I've noticed at our church. People are coming back. It's taken a while, but they're coming back. And as a matter of fact, some have come back, come back, and, and they want they want to be like him. They want to be like, they want to be baptized like him. And they know it's not for the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but as the answer of a good conscience towards God. They want that closeness. They want that and they know his name, and they do not identify him as a prophet. These men had been with him. These men had been the last time that they supped together. These men had been, these men had, had seen him wash their feet. That close relationship that they had. And to them to tell him without even knowing who it, they might, they might have well thought he was a stranger walking on the road. They said, this Jesus, this Jesus, the prophet, look what he said. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted. I love that. But we trusted. We had a hope. What was their hope? That one day they'll have a home in heaven tomorrow? No, their hope was that he'd be king. Right. That he'd, he'd fight their battles. <laughs> oh, goodness, friend. How many battles does it take for him to fight before we give him recognition of what he has done for us? How many times of closeness does it have to happen? How many times do angels come and, uh, and they minister unto us not because of what we've done, not because of what we've said, not because of what we thought, but by his pure grace and mercy. Oh, friend, he's more than a prophet. He's, his name should be on our tongues constantly. His, uh, his identity and the thoughts about Him should be in our mind continuously. You want to live a good life in this earth? You want to live a life to where when you get so down, you don't know what you're going to do? I would introduce you, if I could, to my brother. But be, be thankful He's already done the introduction. He's already introduced Himself. He's come to you in a moment of time where you didn't even know you needed someone. And he became that someone. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then, then, then he really should be the number one in our hearts and our minds. He, he really should be that next thought, that next breath. Look what they said. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which uh, were early at the sepulcher. What in the world could they have said? And when they found not his body, they came saying, <laughs> that they had seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. Certain of them were with us when we went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. What do they know? They know that body was gone. And what do they probably think? Somebody came and stole that body. Somebody came and stole that precious body. And, and why wouldn't they understand? 
If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, why wouldn't they understand? Because they don't believe that. They have not been given the ability to believe that like you have today. How mournful they must have been. How sad it must have been. And Jesus begins as only he can. Look, look what he says. All fools. He can get away with that. All fools. All fools and slow of heart. And, and they, this is his people. This is in resemblance of everyone that he died for. All fools and slow of heart. To believe what all the prophets have spoken. Ought not. Should he not have? Should this not have been why he, why he came? Oh, ought not to have suffered these things. We stand at the cross and we look at the cross. And I'm not worshiping the cross. I, I'm, I'm seeing the suffering of my brother. I'm seeing the suffering of my hope. I'm seeing the suffering of he that, that loves me far beyond than Carol Beth Swart Webb can. I, 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 that my, my three great-grandchildren... My, my 14 grandkids, my three sons, my daughter-in-law loves me four more, more, than, more than anybody can. Yet the, the love that he has is, is so defined that he gave his life upon the cross. Oh, what wondrous love is this, oh my soul. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? The answer to that better be yes, because he suffered them in our stead. He suffered them for us. He suffered them that one day that we can believe that Jesus died and rose again. He began to preach. I mentioned a little while ago, I don't know how long it took. When I was growing up, we had the longest winded preachers I've ever heard in my life. Elder Vernon Johnson is a cousin of mine, and he reminded me going to Providence Church at Arnold Creek outside of Farmersville, how that, how that us kids hoped that when the preacher got through, it was straight up noon. We prayed, we prayed that he didn't stop five minutes before. Because you know what would happen? Elder L. L. Smith, Ron Smith's granddad, would get up and he'd preach for an hour. And that, that chicken that had been fried and we had been smelling all morning, it was going to have to wait another hour. And, so, and we were praying... Quarter till, quarter till. Oh, but, but he preached, he preached to them. And it was effective. And they heard it. And they, and they, and they understood it. And he said, uh, ought not Christ to have suffered these things? And he began at Moses and the prophets. And, uh, and he came all the way down. And they, and, and they got to where they were going. And they begged him almost. They begged him to come and to sup with them. And he came to where they were. And he took bread. And he broke it. And they recognized who he was. And he was gone out of their sight. And now they've got something to tell. They still don't understand that Jesus died and rose again. But they're, I don't know how long it took them to get from Jerusalem to a mess. But I guarantee you it was a lot quicker going from the mess to Jerusalem. And uh, probably set a world plan speed record coming back. Because now they've got something to tell. You know, one of, the, one of the things that is so important for us as primitive Baptists and as fathers and mothers is that we have a story to tell. Amen. We, Amen. we got something that, and, and it would behoove us 
as families, as church, to, to tell what the Lord has done for us. To tell our children what it's been. Because, you know, they see us today. And they see at us a point in time where we may not be struggling anymore. And they weren't around when we struggled. They weren't around when, uh, when things were bad. Let me give you one of those stories that my dad used to tell me about walking to school both ways in the snow, uphill both ways. I never understood that, but that's the way it was. Let me tell you one of those stories. The Lord has, the Lord has some kind of sense of humor. Because he, after the first year of marriage, he gave me and my wife twin boys. I don't know what in the world he was thinking when that happened. And people say, well, it, it's, it's as cheap to have one as it is two. You know who says that? Somebody that's never had two. They don't understand how expensive it is. They don't understand they eat twice the amount of baby food. They don't understand they eat, drink twice the amount of milk. They don't understand. One Saturday, here comes a sad story. One Saturday, Carol and I, we always had food for the boys. Because my, my mom and dad, they'd come to visit. They would go to a sale, some store, and they would bring baby food. And they'd bring bags of it. And we would, we would joyously put it up in the cabinets and, and see, well, yeah, we got sweet potatoes. We got, the, we got that yucky green stuff. Whatever. But, but we had something. But we didn't have anything. We had some rice. And we had talked. She said, what are we going to do? I said, this afternoon, tonight, we're going to fix that rice, and that's going to be supper. We'll be okay. Phone rang. God works in mysterious ways. One dear sweet sister, church member, called us. She said, are y'all doing anything tonight? We said, no, not doing anything. She said, we're going to go, we're going to go over to Dallas, Fireside, where I grew up. We're going to go over there, and we're going to hear, hear Elder Bill Huckabee preach. You want to go with us? We said, well, sure. She said, oh, by the way, there's a new, there's a new hamburger joint in Arlington, and we're going to go by there. We'll buy you a hamburger. You know what the name of it was? Whataburger. First one. First one in Arlington. I can't tell you how great that tasted. I can't tell you how it has touched my heart that some 50 years later, I can still remember the taste. But you know what else I remember? I remember the kindness of a sister in our church. I remember that, how that she was thinking of us and how that we were needing that. You know, that's a story that I have told my grandkids because they see us today and they see us on this end of life. They didn't see us on this end of life. I want them to understand that we have come through trials. We've come through some hard times. And the only reason that we were able to come through it is by He who hung on the cross. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, they rushed to where they were. And when they got there, they had a story to tell. As they're beginning to tell the story, guess who shows up? He just comes right in. Here's Jesus. Look at, look at the, the, what He said to him. Peace be unto you. Has He ever said that to you? Has he ever uttered those words to you? Distress was all around. Hard things were all around. And yet he spoke to the, to the crux of the problem. And he said, peace be unto you. And guess what happened? Peace came. <laughs> peace was right, right there. Uh, it, and, uh, but they were terrified and affrighted. And supposed that he had seen a spirit. Here's how he's going to take care of this. He said, look at my hands. Look at my feet. And he said, give me, uh, give me a piece of broiled fish and watch, what, what's me ingested. I'm not a spirit. 
I'm not, I'm not a ghost. I am the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. And look at the glorious thing that happened. Look at this 45th verse. Then opened he their understanding. Now they got something. Opened he their understanding that what? That they might understand the scriptures. And from that, Peter could go on the day of Pentecost and preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't there. Paul was out afflicting the church, bringing hard times upon him. But after his conversion and his salvation and his appointment as a preacher and his appointment as a disciple to the Gentiles, he could preach Jesus Christ. And you know what he wrote? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Forty days later, go with me to the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Something glorious is going to occur. They thought he'd be there with them forever. But look what occurred. Ninth verse. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, uh, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Now get the picture. They see him. And they see him start to leave. And they see him start to move. And why wouldn't their eyes be affixed upon him? You know, I could they never seen anything like that. <laughs> and they see him going. And they see him going to where he deserves to be. And two men in white, two angels, have to, have to, uh, to, to tell them. And they, and they said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, this resurrected Jesus, this perfect Jesus, this Jesus who shines with a glow, who, whose face is, 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 is so glorious and beautiful in its texture, and it's this same Jesus, this same Savior, this same one that died upon Calvary's cross. This same Jesus. It, uh, it, it's, it, you're going with me. This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Go to 1 Thessalonians the fourth chapter. Look what Paul says. The 13th verse. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. I want you to understand, Paul saying, that those that are in the grave, that that grave is not going to be their final resting place. And that, that one day is coming. One day. I would not have you to be ignorant, brother, or without understanding that concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. At this funeral I told you about last Wednesday, I noticed a young, a young woman that just, just cried, just continued to cry at the loss of her grandmother. Her grandmother had been a tremendous fixture in her life. Her grandmother had, 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 brought, had, had taught her, had, had helped mold her. And life had taken this young lady in a way and direction that, that is not the best for her. But in this particular situation, she has no basis to understand that this is not the last time she'll see grandma. This is not the last time. 
I did a funeral for a lady in Oklahoma that was, that was a very tremendous person to, to me and my family. And as I'm standing at the casket, and the casket's here, her grandson comes by, and he's, he's crying, and he's crying uncontrollably. And I put my hand upon his arm, and I said, this body, this body is raised here, and it will be put in the grave. But the spirit and the love of your grandmother is now in heaven and immortal glory. She's now singing praise. This one that touched your face and loved you and took care of you, that, that portion of her, that love of her is not here, it's there. It's there. And you know, friend, why can we say that? Because we believe that if Jesus died and rose again, 14th verse, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. Here's the glorious truth of the matter. And to be very honest, this group of people is one of the few groups of people that in my humble opinion gets it right. There, there's so many <coughs> variations of belief of what happens at the last time. What's going to happen at that last moment. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, the souls and spirit that are now in heaven and immortal glory, that, uh, uh, that are now in Jesus, will God bring with Him. On a glorious morning, glorious time. You know, even the angels in heaven don't know when that's going to be. I've got, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I know when it's going to be. I know when it's going to be. When the last heir of grace is born again, when that last heir of grace takes that spiritual life, it's over, friend. He's going to come. Look what he says. For we say unto you by the word of the Lord, we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. Love this next verse. For the Lord himself. John, not busy? <laughs> Peter, Peter had something else? No. No, here's the glorious fact. Because we believe that if Jesus died and rose again, He purchased us. He bought us. He redeemed us. And He is coming Himself to get us. Why? Because we're His. We're His. We're not going to be in some holding pattern until we do something good enough to get to go to heaven. Friend, that's not the case. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we should rejoice that there is a day coming. A day coming when we'll all go home. Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Let me just tell you something real quick. If you believe that an angel is going to go pick up a trumpet and make a sound... I got something better. Remember John on the island of Patmos? Jesus was behind him. And, uh, and, 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 and Jesus spoke. And what did he say? He said his voice sounded like a trumpet. That's, that's Jesus. His shout will raise the dead. His authority is such that he is the king of kings. Uh, and uh, uh, his, his people will be raised. Raised into glory. Why? Because we... Believe that Jesus died and rose again. 18th verse. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. My wife's not here. I have a story that I tell occasionally. My wife's not here because she said, are you going to tell that again? Well, she's not here. So I, yes, I'm going to try. 
April of 1944, I had an uncle, Lieutenant Jerome Ernest Slater, Jr. He was piloting a bomber over Italy, and he was in a large uh, area where there were several layers of bombers, and he was hit by an aircraft, and he and the six men that were in the plane with him, the plane turned over, fell down, hit the plane beneath, and came to the ground crashing in Italy. I remember going to my grandmother, Grandpa Slater's house. They had a picture of him there upon one of the one of the walls, and I look at that and I think to myself, "That's the bravest man I've ever seen in my life." In the in the mid 1950s, mom, dad, and my grandmother, grandfather, uh, he was going. To, my uncle was being brought back to the Jefferson Barracks National Cemetery in St. Louis to be buried. Several years later, I was working in St. Louis, and I didn't have anything to do one afternoon, but I couldn't go home. I had work the next morning, and I thought to myself, I think I'm going to go see where Uncle J.E. is. Never knew him, but I felt like I should show him my respect for my family of what he gave. You've been to a national cemetery? Beautiful place. White crosses as far as the eye can see. I came to a little kiosk at the entrance put his name in there, it gave me out a piece of paper that, that showed me right where he was. Drove over, looking for a white cross. I couldn't find <coughs> his grave. I went back to the kiosk, did it again, got the same results. So I came back to where I was standing, and I looked down, and here was a solid granite slab that had his name and the six others, mm. and they were interred in a cemetery together. They couldn't separate them. So they just brought them back and they placed them in the ground and they marked where they were. I believe in a God today that that is no big Amen. deal. Yeah. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, then you with me believe that when it comes time He's going to raise those seven and he's going to raise them independently. And he, he didn't die for the group. He died for them individually. He died for them as personally. And to be very honest, here's a statement. They could not possibly have gotten all of the, of the tissue from the crash side. But that's not going to slow him down. When it comes time, they'll come together. Why? Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. I become more in love with the primitive Baptist theology or the, doctor, the apostles doctrine every day. And it's because things like that bring me to a realization he didn't leave anything out. He doesn't, he doesn't need to do me, me to do one thing but fall on my knee and praise him. I thank you for your attention. certainly appreciate what we have heard and I trust it's been of comfort to your heart and your soul as it's been to mine. Many things have gone through our minds. Uh, doctrine brings us together. It, it focuses our mind in a, in, a, in a togetherness, in a union. And it, it, it ascribes honor and glory and greatness to God. And it reminds us that we are but the recipient 
of God's grace. What a wondrous, wondrous God we have. Stand and sing 436, what wondrous love is this? Should there be any here this morning that desired a home in the church, come give me your hand. The church will be glad to wait upon you. We'll have a handshake after the first verse or so. Start with this side over here as our custom is, and you'll figure it out from there. Stand and sing 436. more you do it, the more glorious it is. 